0: Welcome to the Emmanuel Church podcast, where we believe God is with us and speaks to us wherever we're at, whether at work, home, or on the move. We'd love for you to be connected with us by visiting us at myemanuelchurch.com or any social media platform using at myemanuelchurch. Thanks for being with us, and we hope you enjoy this message. We're starting a new series today called Advent. The light has come. Advent, the light has come, and so if you don't know what Advent is, it's okay. I, we've grown. I've grown up uh, in an Assemblies of God church, Pentecostal church, and Advent is a traditional church time for many other denominations, but it's not something typically that I grew up knowing about or celebrate. The word Advent means uh, it, it comes from a Latin word meaning the coming or coming. And it is a season of anticipation and waiting. It's a season of anticipation and waiting. It's where we do preparation for the season of Christmas to celebrate Christmas as we celebrate the birth of Jesus. It's also a season of celebration waiting for the return of Jesus as he comes again. And God was doing prep work up until the sea, in the season of advent before jesus was born in galatians chapter 4 verse 4 says but when the time when the set time had fully come god sent his son when 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 the set time had fully come god had sent his son and so he was preparing the world to receive jesus 2000 years ago but as like i said it's also a season where we take a moment to remind ourselves that jesus came once he was born into this world as a baby. He be, God became man. God became human to live and breathe in our world, in his world, and give his life for us. But that he is coming again. He is going to return. He's going to return. And it's been a while. It's been a while. And I got permission for my wife to say this. Uh... It's been a while because I, I said I, I told her I said I think I'm going to say this tomorrow. I'm going to say I think God is Puerto Rican because my wife she has explained to me the poor and like I I'm I'm Latino I'm Mexican Mexican time is not the same as everybody else's time either we're always late to stuff but Puerto Rican time is 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 even it's longer than that it's more than that. You know, because I said, God said, Jesus said, I'm returning soon. And it's been 2,000 years. I was like, God, Jesus must be Puerto Rican because my wife tells me, it's like, oh, you know, soon. We're going to do it soon. She's going to hang out with friends or something soon. It's like, yeah, I'm thinking soon. Oh, you know, 5, 10, maybe even 30 minutes. No, an hour, two, three more. (laughs) Something like that. And whenever she makes plans, like uh, she had some friends come in from Puerto Rico the other day and it, it was funny to me because they set plans but they set plans at like okay we're gonna set plans at two thirty ish it always ends in ish it's never a set time it's four ish you know and the time kind of just keeps moving and moving and moving and it's like jesus said jesus said i'm coming soon and it's been two thousand years so it's been a while but he's still returning he's still returning so that is what this season is all about as we prepare for christmas as we prepare for the return of jesus now i love this time of year i I love the decorations i love the general feeling uh, of joy Uh, the food the gifts the presents you know everything it it is my favorite time of year you can ask my wife all throughout the year i just burst into christmas music like, it doesn't matter what January, Christmas music, June, July, August. I'm always singing Christmas music. And it's just because I love this time of year. I, I, I've, I've loved, I've always loved the Christmas season. And growing up, to prepare for Christmas, you, you, we would usually start the day after Thanksgiving. We would go and uh, buy a Christmas tree or set up a Christmas tree. We'd start setting up decorations in the house. And if you talk to my parents, they'll tell you it wasn't enough for me for us to set a Christmas tree up downstairs for the home. I set my own tree up in my room. I decorated my room for Christmas. I still do that today. Like you, can, My wife will tell you, I decorate every single room has something Christmas in it. It has to. Like, it doesn't matter. I have to find a way to make something Christmas. You know, I have to find a way to make it Christmas. And little by little over the years, the time in which I have been preparing for Christmas has moved up, too. It used to start right after Thanksgiving, because I was always busy, you know, on Thanksgiving. I would always be at youth convention events and other things like that. So I never really celebrate Thanksgiving. And you see that stores, they kind of like forget about thanksgiving too christmas goes up after halloween like day after halloween the christmas decorations are out that's it they're getting ready earlier and earlier and so i have followed suit i had my christmas tree up like the second week of november and Stephen, our worship director here he stopped by dropped some furniture on my house he's like man it's too early (laughs) it's too early i'm like not for me (laughs) i'm getting ready for christmas and so i love it i love i love it but but it is really easy during this time to forget that christmas is more than just the decorations we get caught up in preparing for the festivities the parties the planning the gifts we uh, we're asking people for wish lists and gift lists and planning white elephant and gift exchange and secret Santa. And what are we going to eat for Christmas? Whose house are we going to this year? Where, what, you know, what are, are we going to do anything extra? Are we going to go look at lights in the neighborhood? Are we going to go to uh, the zoo lights or, you know, wherever, Santa's Wonderland or something? We make our Christmas plans and we get caught up in the festivities and we forget there is so much more to the Christmas season than this. Because it's supposed to be about Jesus. It's supposed to be about Jesus. And so I want to look in Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 to 3 is our our focal point scripture for today. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, we find a man by the name of John the Baptist, who is Jesus' cousin. They're related. I don't know if they hung out or anything, because in this story, when John sees Jesus... It's like he's something otherworldly to him. Like they never hung out. They never talked to each other or something. But but I think it was because he understood that, yes, Jesus is my cousin. I might have grown up playing in the streets with him and going to his home and having dinners and celebrating festivals with family. And I've seen him. But Jesus is more than that. Jesus is more than just my regular everyday life. He is more than that. And so we find John the Baptist doing his ministry. He was kind of a weird guy. He dressed in camel hair, vest, and clothes. He ate locusts and honey. That was his diet. And he was going through the streets telling people that the kingdom of God had come, and he was baptizing him. And this is where we find him. In verse 1 to 3, it says this, In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. This is the writer of the book of Matthew telling us. This is who who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of the one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And another, the, the Gospels also kind of show this story in different parts. And in the book of John, John himself answers to others. and t- They say, who are you? Are you Elijah? No, I'm not Elijah. Are you the Messiah? No, I'm not the Messiah. Are you uh, one of the other prophets, maybe? The reincarnation of one of the other prophets? No, no, no. That's, that's not who I am. Then who are you? Because why are you doing, why are you baptizing people? Why are you telling people to repent? Why are you calling people to God? And he says, all I am is the voice calling out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Prepare the way for the Lord. So the question I want to answer today is what Then do we need to do to prepare for the Lord? What do we need to do to prepare for Jesus this holiday season? What does that even mean? What does that even mean? So to prepare for Jesus means two different things. And we're going to talk about those in a second, but I'm going to say them first. To prepare for Jesus means two things. It means to prepare our hearts for him and to prepare the way for others to meet him. But it takes work, and it's not easy. Preparing is, is never easy. You know, me and my wife, every, uh, every, one, every once in a while, we entertain the idea of having, like, a Christmas party or something else with friends, and we've done it a couple of times. And the prep work is just, like, stressful, I don't know if you've ever thrown a party or if you've been in charge of Christmas or anything like that. But it's just stressful. Like, it seems like a good idea, you know, when you're talking about it. It's like, oh, yeah, and we can do this. And we come up with fun ideas of how to present food and hot chocolate bar, different kind of drinks you can have, different kind of food you can have, different kind of, you know, stuff. It's like, oh, we can set it up this way. But then the day comes and you start preparing and everything just seems so stressful. It's It's not easy work. It's hard. In the end, you, like In the end, every time after everything is done and everybody has gone home, we've always said, oh, you know what? That was fun. We should do it again. But while we're doing the prep work, we're always like, never again. We're never again planning a part. We're never inviting anyone to our home again. Because it's too much work. The cleaning, the cooking, the, the setting out, making sure we have enough for everybody. Did we buy enough? Like, what if we run out in the middle of all of this? Like, what, what are we going to do? And so it is stressful and it's hard work. And it's not easy because we have, we have a certain way of doing things in life. And we, we don't like it when something new is thrown into the mix. When we, when we try to, to fix ourselves or we try to, to do something out of the ordinary or do more than we are used to, it's, it, it throws us for a loop. It's not easy to find ourselves in that kind of thing. That's why prep work is not something that's supposed to be done just one time a year. It's supposed to be something that's done all of the time. It doesn't make it any easier, but it makes it part of our lives. Think about Olympic athletes. When they're not, the Olympics is only like every four years, whether winter or or summer. But they're not doing nothing During the four years and then the year of the Olympics, they suddenly start preparing. No, every day of those four years leading up to the Olympics is that prep work. They are engaged in that prep work. They are getting ready for it. And and the season of Advent gives us a notice of that. Up until the time that Jesus was born, God was waiting. Like, that's an interesting phrase that Galatians 4.4 4 uses. It says, when the fullness of time had come, when everything was set, that is when Jesus was to come. That is when Jesus was to come. So prep work is necessary. Preparation is necessary. Had Jesus been born in a different time, things would have been different. But two thousand years ago, we find the Roman Empire in control as the major po- power in the world. And I always thought this was interesting. Why during that time? And the Roman Empire was so innovative, so different. Like every every nation that they literally conquered, they made Roman. They gave them roads and running water. They made their cities better. They made they did all kinds of things. They did horrible things too. Don't mind you know. Don't forget about that. But. Up until that point in time, there were not central highways that connected the world. But when the Romans came about, there were. There were dirt roads before, but now the Romans paved the roads. So this was a time when the world was beginning to become more connected. And Jesus came into a place where the world had heard silence from God from 400 years, and he was ready to bring a message that would be spread across the world more easily. Do we spread it across the world more easily? And so this prep work was necessary for God, but it is also necessary for us. What can we do to prepare ourselves for Jesus? What can we do to prepare others for Jesus? So the first thing I said is that we must prepare our hearts to receive Jesus not only during Christmas, but every day of our lives every day of our lives. And we do this first by repenting. That's a word that nobody likes to hear, repenting, even if you, if you even know what the word means. It is confessing, like we, we, we associate repentance with confessing of sins. It is us calling out to God and re- confessing sin. And now repentance, though, in the New Testament means to change one's mind. It is to change the way you think, to change the way you perceive things, to change the way you uh, look at the world, to change the way you live, because it wasn't simple. It wasn't just simply change your mind. I watched a TikTok this uh, was it this morning I think. I a TikTok this morning of a snow snow-covered area and these ducks were walking out of their barn or, or whatever they were in and they were being released and all of them came flooding out and they were out for like 10 seconds before one or two of them were like nope and they immediately returned back to where they came from they're like nah i ain't about this life and it's like but it's not something so simple as that. It's like, no, it's too cold. I guess I just won't go out. Or no, it's a, it is a drastic change. It is a one making a one eighty. It is turning literally making a hard stop and turning around your life. It is a different. It is it is to go from one extreme to the other. Because to repent is to change your life completely. It's like this moment right here. That I'm starting in is I don't trust my life to Jesus. I, I'm living my own life for myself. But in the ne- the next is to move to the opposite extreme and says now my life is completely dedicated to Him and not for me. It was a drastic difference, and repentance is not easy because repentance requires that we admit that we are living wrong are doing wrong. Repentance requires two things from us. First of all, it requires honesty. It requires us to honestly and vulnerably reflect on our lives and our hearts in order to confess anything that does not please God and give it over to him. And this is not easy. This is that's not that's not an easy thing because we don't like to be wrong. Anybody here like to be wrong? Anybody like here to be proven wrong? No? I, I didn't think so. <laughs> we don't like to be proven wrong. In fact, when someone tries to confront us with something, immediately we go into defense mode. Immediately, we don't think, well, maybe I should listen to what they have to say. Maybe they have a point. Maybe there's something that they're trying to you know, help me with. No, no. We, well, you know what? Well, the reason why I did that was I said that because I do that because we immediately go on the defensive. We close up and we fight back because that's what we are assuming that is happening when someone is trying to correct us or someone is trying to point out a flaw in our lives. We are, we, we just don't like it. We that's not us. It's like why? Why are they attacking us? Why do they gotta attack us? Why do they, why do they, why do they, why do they gotta point that out? I'm a good person. I'm not bad. I live my life okay. I, I mean, you know, I'm not a murderer. I might be mean sometimes, but that doesn't mean I, I'm, I'm evil. We don't like it. We immediately put ourselves on the defensive. But the thing about it is, is when it comes to God, when it comes to Jesus, we have to understand something. And we have to understand that if, if someone is acting in love and they're trying to point something out to us that we need to change in our lives, if God is pointing something out to us, it is because he loves us. It is not that he is telling us that we are horrible people. It is not that he is telling us that we don't deserve love or that we are less than something. It is the fact, it is the truth that he does it because he loves us. You know, I always hear people say, you know, God will never judge me. And I'm talking about how, I I mean, only God can judge me. And I I hate when people say that because it's, you know, it's a ridiculous statement, doesn't really make any sense. But because when people say it, they mean, they don't really mean that only God can judge me. They mean no one can judge me. I'm in charge of my own life. But when, what we have to understand is that we need to drop those walls because when God comes in and steps into our lives, he's not calling out sin to bring judgment. He is not calling out sin to cause hurt and pain. It might hurt. It might be painful. It might be hard. But not. he's not doing it for that sake. He is doing it because he loves us and wants to see us better. Yes, God accepts us and calls us to come to him as who we are, but he doesn't leave us that way. He wants us to be created and live up to the image that He created for us. The image who is Himself. We are made in His image. So we are called to be better than that. He wants us to be better. And so we have to honestly reflect. Think about it. We have to think. We have to to put ourselves in a position where we are clearly examining our hearts. When we are not on the defensive because we get We get defenses even from ourselves. You ever get into an argument with yourself? <laughs> you start talking about how oh, I need to change and this and, you know, you want to be better. But then you, your, your brain starts fighting back. Ah, But, you know, I'm good. Why do I lead? Why do I need to lose that weight? Why do I need to do this? I'm fine. I'm fine. Ah, maybe you shouldn't be so mean to, you know, you're always mean to them. But you know, they deserve it. We start arguing with ourselves. We need to be honest and vulnerable and stop dro- and drop the walls. And so we don't have to do this by ourselves. We don't have to just go through this process alone. We don't have to fight that fight on our own. Psalm 139, verse 23 to 24, says this King David is praying to the Lord, and he says, I know there's something in me. So he tells God, Search me, God. And know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. First of all, I see two things here. One, we don't have to fight that fight on our own, because sometimes we won't recognize our faults. We're too prideful, or we're too stubborn to, to, to actually call ourselves out. But he says, search me, God, Spirit, Holy Spirit, tell me, show me what it is that I need to work on. What is it that I need to turn over to you? So first, we're not alone in having to repent. When we are called to repent, it is a joint work between ourselves and God. He is not asking us to fight that fight alone. He is not asking us to do the hard work by ourselves because honestly, we can't. And it's ultimately too to lead us to a better way. The psalmist says here, and lead me into the way everlasting, lead me into life, lead me into your presence, lead me into knowing you more, lead me into closer, a closer relationship with you. So that's the first thing that repentance requires of us. Honestly and vulnerability. Secondly, repentance requires us to move forward. With our change, and act on the change that we are professing i've uh, growing up in church i've seen a lot of people, especially like in uh, as a youth leader i've been to lots of youth conventions and a lot of youth things, and not, you know i 'm not bashing on the youth or anything, but I would see so many people come to give their lives to the Lord at the altar, and I'd see a change in them in that moment, like God would do some work inside of their lives. But then next week, it's all gone. And that wasn't everybody. Of course it wasn't, because there are people today, not even just youth, adults that do that. I've seen so many people throughout my time in ministry come and give their lives to Jesus week in and week out, and not, and that, that's not a bad thing inherently, but they continue to go back to the way they're doing things. They were doing things before. They make a 180 in the moment, but immediately they make the rest of the 180 and make a 360. And they just turn back around. So instead of just turning around, they make a full circle. It's like, oh, well, I guess I'm just going this way. And it's a force of habit, I guess, because we get trapped in the way that we live our lives. And so even if in a moment we might profess ourselves to Jesus to say, God, I want Change. That change won't be fully realized in our lives unless we actually act on it. Repentance requires us to act on the grace that we have been received. Believing we are saved and believing in Jesus isn't enough. We have to do something more with it. James chapter 2 verses 17 to 19 says this, In the same way, faith by itself is not accompanied. Uh, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. (laughs) I think that's so funny. It's like, man, you're telling me that it's enough for me to believe and then just live my life however I want. I say that it's enough for me to believe and just live my life however I want to. And James responds back. James is so snippy, he just responds back. He's like, yeah, even the demons do that. They know that there's God. They know that he's powerful. They know that he's good. They know ultimately he has the victory, but they continue to exist in rebellion. They continue to fight the light. They continue to fight him on every front. And so it is not enough for us to simply say, God, I believe and I trust in you, it is now Now we have to take a step, even if it's one step. We have to take a step in the right direction. We have to trust that God loves us and He is good and that what He wants for us is better than what we want for ourselves. You know, a few weeks ago, uh, our e-groups director, Jonathan, he was preaching about miracles. And he said that the lepers... Jesus healed ten lepers, but only one of them came back, and he actually preached that message in our Spanish service this morning. and only one came back. one acted on the grace that they had received while the others did not. It didn't say that the other one went the other nine went back to being leprous. No, they were healed too, but one of them acted on it. He acted on what he had received. And that is what we are called to do, to act on the grace that we have been given, to act on the faith that we are speaking to Jesus. Because words are not enough. In Luke chapter 19, we see another example. Zacchaeus. I grew up with the children's song. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. I mean, they're capping on Zacchaeus he was, just because he was short. We don't even know how short he was. Like, in my mind, I grew up thinking Zacchaeus was like this tall. <laughs> but he was probably like average. <laughs> probably just a little less than average. And it's like, oh, Zacchaeus was short. <laughs> Zacchaeus met Jesus and he wanted to meet Jesus. He wanted to, to get to know him. And, and we find that in Luke chapter 19. And this story is amazing to me because it is, It is faith. It is repentance followed by action. Because that's what the Jewish people believed in those days. If you want to see true repentance, it must be accompanied by following through with it. You have to now live that repentance out in your life. Zacchaeus uh, was so, so intent on meeting Jesus that he couldn't see over the crowds, that he climbed up into a tree so that he could see over the crowds. And Jesus was ready for him. Jesus I don't even know if Jesus had ever met Zacchaeus before or even heard of him before. I mean, he's God, so he knew. But he sees Zacchaeus in the tree and he calls him out by name. The man who wanted to meet Jesus, who had never met Jesus, he knew who he was. And he says, hey, Zacchaeus, I see you up there. Come down. Today I'm going to eat at your home. And Zacchaeus comes down and has a conversation with jesus and his life is changed dramatically it says in that moment he decided not only to believe in jesus but to act on it zacchaeus was a tax collector much like one of the disciples was matthew and he had cheated people out of their money he had done wrong in his life he had done sinful things in his life and he was called to do something god wanted him to do something about it and so jesus meets Zacchaeus, he says, I'm going to your house. And so Zacchaeus comes down and he says, now I have met Jesus, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pay back everybody that I have wronged tenfold, and I will return everything that I have stolen. And Jesus responds and says, today salvation has come to this house because salvation is accompanied by fruit, work, things that we are doing to actually move forward. It doesn't matter how big it is because Zacchaeus rightfully probably could not actually do everything that he was saying. He'd be poor. He'd be broke. He'd be out of a job. He, he, He would have nothing left. But he was willing and intent on wronging, uh, fixing the wrongs that he had done. We must act to prepare our lives to celebrate Christmas and the second coming of Jesus. We have to live out the grace we have been given in Jesus. Now, that's the first thing. I promise I'm not going to take too much longer. (laughs) Because my wife is like, you got to preach. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) This, the first thing is we need to prepare our hearts for Jesus, and the second thing we need to do is prepare the way for others to meet Jesus. And we do this in two ways. Two ways. First, we must take advantage of opportunities presented to us. We go through life a lot of times not really realizing how many people need to experience the love of Jesus. We go walking through life with blinders on. Basically, we go to work, we go to school, we go to. to Shopping, grocery shopping, we go wherever you go, wherever you do life at? We go through life and we have blinders on. We don't see the people that are around us sometimes we even ignore those that are noticeably in need. those that are suffering from homelessness, the person that we see maybe crying in the side of the road are having a tough time. the person that obviously seems like they're struggling, and we put blinders on because we think, I have other things to do this is not my problem because that's how we're taught to live mind your own business pay attention to yourself but that's not what we're called to do as believers we are called to take advantage of opportunities to show love to other people that means we have to take stock of our surroundings we got to take a moment to actually see like the phrase says stop and smell the roses we got to take a moment. If we're moving so fast-paced through life, how are we ever going to notice these things? And that's a problem with the culture that we live in. Everything is fast-paced. Everything has to be done. We're always working. We're always hustling. We're always doing something. And as a result, we miss the people that are around us that are in need of Jesus. There are so many chances for us to share Jesus with others. And I don't mean just beating, up, beating them with the Bible, because that's what a lot of people think sharing Jesus is. No, but extending the hand of grace, extending the hand of love to those who need it in their moments of darkness and weakness and hopelessness. That is what we're called to do, but we cannot see it because we're moving too fast. Psalm chapter 46, verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. And I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. We have to be still. And Jesus understood this principle. There were many times where Jesus stepped away from the busyness of his life. Because Jesus was popular. He had lots of crowds following him. He was always doing something. He was always on the move. He was always traveling. He was always going places. He had miracles to do. People to see. Salvation to bring. He was a busy man. Yet Jesus made an effort to take time to step away from all of that. To take time to spend time in the presence of God. To get perspective because he knew that if he stayed around the crowds too long, if he stayed in the busyness, he was going to miss things. And he needed to get back with the Holy Spirit and say, show me. Let me hear. Let me see. Let me know what I have to do Next, We have to take advantage of these opportunities, but we will only be able to if we take a moment to stop and see who needs Jesus that is around us right now. Secondly, we have to make opportunities to serve others by, being, by having our lives be a witness that God is good. That God is good. Because I'm convinced, like I said, there's opportunities around us that we don't see. But I think there are also ways that we can make opportunities for other people to experience the love of Jesus. Even if we don't see someone in need in the moment. That doesn't mean there isn't a chance for us to share the gospel with someone who needs it. I'm reminded of a story that happened uh, a few years ago where... um, Someone in the line at Chick-fil-A, and it was shared on the news. Uh, and it's a crazy story because someone in the line decided as they were paying for their food, what they were going to do was they were going to pay for the car that was behind them. And they said, ah, I'm going I'm to be generous today. I'm going to show kindness to someone. I don't know what they're going through. I don't know what's happening in their lives. I don't know if they need it. They might not. They might be fine. They might not need me to pay for their food but I want to do something in this moment that expresses love and kindness. And so they did. And what ended up happening was a chain reaction. That person who had their food paid for then said, you know what, this kindness that was shown to me, I'm going to extend that kindness to the person behind me. And that continued for about two hours that car after car just simply paid for the meal of the person that was behind them. Those are ways that we can step into the world and create opportunities for other people to know Jesus. Maybe we don't see anybody with the need, but hey, you know, I can show love to someone who doesn't seem like they need it. We have that chance because that's what Jesus did. He made it certain that he was going to places that need where people needed him and sometimes he had appointments the disciples didn't know about he had it in his schedule (laughs) like sometimes jesus was just interrupted people would just come up to him and ask for healing shout him down the street and he would do it but sometimes jesus had appointments he says i know that there's a place where i can go where i can make an opportunity he went through Samaria. and He says, "Hey, today we have to go through Samaria." And his disciples are like, "Hey, no, you know, uh, we don't like the Samaritans. They're not good people. You know, when we go through, that's when we gotta lock our windows when we drive through the neighborhood. We don't like that place. Jesus, can we avoid it?" He say, "No, no, no. I have an appointment. <laughs> you don't know about this, but I have an appointment there." And he met a woman at the well. She didn't know. She didn't ask of him anything. She just saw him and says, "Hey, I'm thirsty. Can I have some water?" And she's like, "I, you know, I guess." And he proceeds to step into her life and he says, you know what? I know everything that's going on in your life because I am the one that you've been waiting for. You've tried to find your worth in men, but here I am. I am the one that gives you true worth, true value, true love. We have the opportunity, we have the ability and the authority and the power that Jesus has given us himself through his Holy Spirit to step into the world and make opportunities for people to know the love of Jesus. And we can do that through love and compassion, simply extending a hand of compassion. Sometimes that means just listening to people without judgment. I had a conversation recently with somebody that they were getting mad at me. I'm not going to say who this is, of course. Private, protected people's identities. I was having a conversation with someone and they were getting mad at me. They said, well, You know, we need to, when we preach the gospel, we need to tell people they're sinners. We need to call out their sin. They need to know. And I was like, I mean, is that what Jesus did, though? Like, in my reading of the Bible, maybe I'm wrong, but in my reading of the Bible, Jesus often extended grace before he called out anyone's sin. And sometimes he would heal people and then say, hey, your sins are forgiven. They didn't even ask. They weren't seeking that. They didn't even know that they were in the wrong, but he says, hey, your sins are forgiven. Jesus would extend grace and love first. And I often wondered about that. And I was like, you know, I've told people that before, but then I thought, you know, is that the right way of going thing about things? And I thought, you know what? Yes, it is, because the Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Jesus didn't need to call out people's sin because when he extended his love, the perfect love of Jesus, that love covered the sin. That love stepped into the lives of broken people and covered over their sin. They, he didn't need to tell them, you're a sinner. They probably already knew. Like there's a story of the woman that was brought before Jesus and she was about to be stoned. He didn't say, hey, well, you know, they brought you here for adultery, so you got to kind of stop that. No, he says, did anyone condemn you? No, neither do I. Go. You're forgiven. Sin no more. He didn't say anything. In fact, Jesus called out sin to people most regularly when they were already people that were supposed to know God. He says, I'm going to call out your sin because you should know better. You should know better. Another way we can, uh, another way we can prepare opportunities for people to, to see, to be witnesses, is to admit when we're wrong. To admit through our own repentance, people can come to Jesus. Something that I've seen that has been a trend lately in our world in the past couple of years is that I have seen people calling out churches for wrongdoing. And they do the thing that we all do. They, be, they go on the defensive and immediately try to defend themselves and say, well, you know, or they try to cover it up and they try to protect themselves and protect the church. And you're know, like, you know, I, I, Defensive mode. We're we're not gonna admit that we're doing something wrong. But then it comes to pass that it 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 becomes exposed. It it becomes truth and reality that this was actually going on, and then the church kind of doesn't say anything about it. And all that does is harm our witness. But if we as believers, imperfect Christian people, will be willing to say, Yes, I know, you know what? You're right, I am in the wrong. What does that do for our witness that makes them realize God accepts them even as they are and they're willing to just admit that they're wrong? Why are they so easily ready to do that? Because 1 John 1 9 says, if you are ready and uh, if you are ready and eager to confess your sins to Jesus, he is willing and eager to forgive them. His grace is stronger. His love is stronger than that. And our witness is protected by the fact that we must admit that we're wrong. King David was known as a man after God's own heart, not because he was perfect, but because of the fact that he was tremendously imperfect. He got it wrong so much. Yet God called him a man after God's own heart because the moment that David realized he was in the wrong, threw himself down before God in repentance. He would do drastic things in repentance to extend and and express how he felt, how, how he realized that he was in the wrong and needed God's grace in that moment. Our repentance can bring other people to Jesus because they can see the grace of God in our own lives. That's why people tell their testimonies. Let's say, this is my story. Look how far gone I was, and Jesus brought me back. And Jesus brought me back. We have to be careful. We have, we have to be ready. We have to prepare the way wherever we're at, whether that is in public and in person or what we're sharing even online. We have to watch how we live our lives. Are, are we living our lives so that when people see us they see jesus and that applies to everything are we online on twitter on instagram and uh, tiktok and snapchat are we sharing things that would tarnish the witness of jesus are we letting our, our our faith inform our politics or are we letting our politics inform our faith and we're letting ourselves be dictated by what a political party says instead of what jesus says are we arguing with every person that we can find online? That's not a witness to Jesus. Because that man, they're just angry all the time. Why are they always fighting? When we go, you know, like they say, don't be a Karen. When you're in the store, don't be demanding that someone's fired for a little mistake that they made. Be graceful. We must, through our witness, we make opportunities for people to know Jesus. And I'm about to close here. So here we are, Christmas time. We're getting ready to stand before the celebration of Jesus in the manger. And waiting for Jesus to return, we stand before the cross. And he asks us, what will you do to prepare yourself? And to prepare others for me. This message, this kind of message is necessary because it's really easy, like I've said, to get caught up in the holiday festivities, in the gifts, in the presents, and the decorations. And I love it. I love it. But we need to remember that it's more than that, it's about Jesus, and Jesus is coming back, and we must be ready. We must. Be ready. Would you stand with me this afternoon? If you're watching online, you don't got to stand. You can sit, you know, wherever you're at. But today, first and foremost, if you need Jesus, because that's who I've been talking about today, Jesus. This is is what we call the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is that 2,000 years ago, What people were waiting for, what we're waiting to celebrate, was that God came into this world as a baby. He became human for the purpose of living life and taking on the sin of humanity. The sin of every person that lived 2,000 years ago and the sin of every person that lives today, you and me. And he lived his life. And on that cross, 33 years later from the manger, he gave his life and he took our sin, our brokenness, our hopelessness, our sickness, our darkness. He took it on himself and he says, I am become sin so that it can be defeated through death. And then he came back three days later the miraculous story that can be hard for believe for some people but he came back he came back because he needed to prove that death doesn't defeat me i put sin to death but death doesn't defeat me and he extends that gift that gift of himself the gift of his grace the gift of his love that says who you are right now where you're at whatever you are going through here i am Here I am. All you have to do is hand it to me. Just give it over to me. And I can give you a second chance. I can make you new again. I can make you new again. And in fact, not just for those who need Jesus, who have never known Jesus today. I want this is this is for all of us. We need Jesus today. We need Jesus today. So let's all pray this prayer. If you would with me, let's bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment of reflection and just pray the prayer. Just pray. Jesus, here I am. I need you. If there is anything in me that is not of you, take it, take my sin, take it and put it on the cross. I give my life to you in this moment to prepare my heart, to give me life, to give me another chance today. So here it is. So here it is. Here I am. And Lord, in this moment, if anyone has given their lives to Jesus for the very first time, I want to welcome them into this family. They are now a part of a family that is bigger than themselves. They are now your child God that is loved beyond anything with them and we surround them with prayer and hope and love to let them know that from this day forward they're made new and even if they make a few backtracks that it's okay as long as they're taking steps forward to you Jesus and for those of us who know you already God forgive us for making church something else than anything else than other than, than you than you at the center than you at the focus so this Christmas season this holiday season lets us be able to step forward and, and every day prepare our hearts for you every day put ourselves in a position to say Jesus here I am here's my life let me walk in your love today we hope you've enjoyed this message. We'd love to hear your story about how you've been blessed by this ministry or how we can pray for you. To connect with us, you can email us at amen at And if you would like to support us financially, you can give online at myemmanuelchurchcom slash gift. Also, if you're in the area, we'd love to see you in person for the full worship experience. Thanks again, and we hope you have a blessed week.